The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial. Bringing in my longtime radio partner, content partner, podcast partner, business partner, CFP, Chad Burton, certified financial planner and regional director of EP Wealth. Chad, where does 2022 find you these days? Busy. <laughs> That's for sure. Busier um, than normal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say busier than normal. It was a, it was a very interesting tax season, to say the least. Why, would it, why was it interesting? Because tax never sounds interesting. Oh, boy. I, to me, when I get a, a copy of somebody's statements, a list of expenses and a tax return, I can put the puzzle together. Interesting. Um, and what was interesting about this tax season is that mutual funds held in taxable accounts and even some ETFs, Rob, there is some of the largest capital gains distributions that I've seen in the, since 1999. Um, in 1999, there was a big run-up in tech stocks and some funds started to, to sell. Yep. And even though people didn't take money out of their accounts, they get this capital gains distribution in December. And it creates a taxable event. It's like paying taxes early, but it increases your cost basis for the future. And it's just, it's never fun because it's like, okay, I didn't take any money out of this to spend, yet I still owe taxes on it. Um, and essentially, to explain that, you know, if you buy a stock in your normal account, your non retirement account, so either you go to Schwab, let's say you open an account, your name, joint with your spouse, or in a living trust. And you invest and in, let's say towards the end of the year, you have a stock that has a gain and you, you sell it and you reinvest it into something else. That, that's a capital gain, right? You've got to report that gain. Mm-hmm. Well, the same things happen inside mutual funds and, and ETFs. It's not as bad with ETFs. ETFs are more tax efficient, but both of them are a basket of stocks where you put the money in, it gets diversified among several different stocks. And in mutual funds, you can actually inherit capital gains. So you can buy a fund today that's owned Apple for five years. And next month, if they decide to sell Apple, or a portion of it even, when it comes December, you're going to realize that they sold that and you're going to participate in a capital gains distribution. And you're going to owe taxes. You're going to see it on your 1099. You're going to owe taxes on it. Now, it does increase your cost basis. So when you sell in the future, it's not like you're going to pay taxes twice. Long story short, they were the largest since I've seen in 1999, especially in some of the small cap funds that it did really well from like March, April of 2020 during the big correction all the way forward. Um, and uh, so that created some surprises for people. Is there uh, an underlying theme here that you're getting at that Wall Street, in their own kind of smart way, were sellers of big winners heading into 2022? Yeah, I think where I saw it the most is some of the small cap growth funds that had done okay. really well the previous couple of years. 
started to realize, number one, some of these small cap funds, small cap stocks that we own are no longer small cap. They're mid or large. Right. So we've got to sell them to get them out of the fund or they've become too expensive. Um, even if you look right now, Rob, a, a small cap growth ETF in the forecast and P ratios versus small cap value ETF, it's much different. It's like half. It's there's the everybody investing with Robinhood and getting into the meme stocks and these small growth companies that don't have maybe a ton of profit, but they got a ton of revenue. Mm-hmm. Just push that side of the market way up into a very expensive area. It's interesting. So they had it's kind to of like a, a microclimate in the Bay Area or a micro trend on Wall Street where sometimes yeah, you just don't see it coming. Let's go back to what you do. You're a certified financial planner and a regional director for EP Wealth. You have a team of financial planners working with you. So one of your things to do is to monitor taxes. And like you're saying, uh, you know, two or 3% of a total portfolio tends to be a lot of money when you start adding it up. And I'll do a segment on how to save two to 3% on a credit card. You can do a segment on how to save two or 3% in capital gains taxes. It goes a long way to get in where people need to be. Let's talk about, you have a portion of your clients with retire, who are retirees and a portion of your clients who are pre-retirement. You probably don't have a lot of teenagers. Um, what are the retirees thinking about these days? Well, the most common concerns are going to be the war in Ukraine becoming more of a global issue. Mm-hmm. Um, economically, it's already creating a global issue. But, um, and then inflation, right? You always say inflation is your boogeyman. Well, <laughs> we're sure seeing it these days, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, returns after inflation are important to calculate just as well as you know, overall returns. So it's a bit of a problem. Are, are retirees no longer concerned about disease? Because I think when you, your headlines are, what are retirees concerned about? War, inflation, and disease. Sounds a lot better than just war and inflation. No, I mean, the, the, still the number one cost, uh, worry among retirees is unexpected healthcare costs or health events. So that's that's still number one going into this year, you know, prior to the war and these inflationary numbers. Um, and you know, we can talk about the inflation because there's there's ways to deal with it. First of all, you got to have a detailed cash flow based retirement plan so you can run scenarios of high inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're retired, most of the inflation that we're seeing comes from food, gas, and housing costs, right? Well. When you're retired, your home is you're typically already in your home, right? It's not like you're paying more for rent or you're going to buy a new house anytime real soon. Typically, it's you're downsizing, right? And that's a lot easier to do with prep uh, Prop 19. You can downsize, you can even upsize if you want, but you can maintain your property tax base all around California now if you sell in retirement. So retirees tend to eat less food. They tend to not drive to work as often, so they're paying less for gas, and they've already got their home, so. There's going to be less pressure on inflation for retirees besides healthcare costs than a family of four or five, or in my case, a family of six. <laughs> so soon to um, be. You got to do a, a modern reboot on Netflix of Eight is Enough. <laughs> right. Awful show. So, where do we go with this? Um, I saw the healthcare costs are starting to hit, you know, uh, bankruptcies and people going into problems with medical collection debt. Is that an issue for retirees that you see somewhat rarely, rarely, often, not that often? Well, I'm meeting with um, some clients and friends tonight because they've seen their mom go through uh, four years of of memory care now. And so they're in their early 60s and they're like, okay, how are we going to 
deal with this costs. One of them, there's no way they're going to be able to get any kind of long-term care insurance based on health history. So they're kind of like, okay, how do we protect ourselves? So one person isn't broke after one person spends three or four years in a nursing home. Um, so it, it's a big problem in the United States for sure. I- Interesting to talk about as a financial planner, the retirees of the three biggest concerns, you're talking about the war in Ukraine, inflation and healthcare costs and um, disease. I'm lumping that one into. Is inflation the problem that you have with it the most that they may not be focusing in on? No, I, I think that inflation will will calm itself down after a you know maybe three or four years of of higher. Um, the the issue has to do and stocks always do well and even rising rate environments. Rob, I mean, companies know how to increase prices to fight inflation and pass it on to the consumer. So it's really the bond side, the safer side of the portfolios. That's the issue we can talk about. We'll talk about that as the show unravels and unfolds today. It's CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director for EP Wealth. He has the ability to do a portfolio review and decide if you need management. You need to contact him, though, at his website, chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. It's CFP Chad Burton. He's sitting in for the whole hour with me. And we've been interviewing financial people for 25 years. I've interviewed Peter Lynch. I've interviewed Bill Clinton. Many, many, many more. Hey, I think- what? You interviewed Bill Clinton, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, how have I not known this? I've known you since, what, 98, 99? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Wow. We don't, don't get all that excited. It wasn't kind of like a hardcore interview. It was, he wanted to push a charitable thing. And, uh, you know, I got a couple, three minutes to ask other things after pumping and pumping and pumping his charitable thing. And don't forget to pump and pump his charitable thing. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. So I think still, oddly enough, my best broadcast and the one that I've never listened to a second time was 9-11. I was on yeah. air for five hours that day. And uh, within 15 minutes, uh, I said Osama bin Laden on the air because you remember Roger Bentley Arnold, economist oh, yeah. extraordinaire. He knew exactly who did that. And uh, we had to be the first news outlet to, to name the culprit, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's talk about what you do. You're a certified financial planner. You deal with retirees and wealth preservation um, as people crack above 35 and start accumulating wealth, they need to start really thinking about what to do with it. You sit down with them, you help plan, you help update the plan to make sure that people stay on track. This is a year where you're going to be doing a lot of updates, I would imagine, due to inflation. In our first segment, we talked about retirees worried about war, inflation, and disease. Let's talk a little bit more about inflation. And um, how are you dealing with fears inflation, but also how are you dealing with the real-life implementation of changing or tinkering or uh, updating due to inflation. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's so much to to do there because it's it's kind of like okay, where are you at? Are you still in the wealth building phase? Are you in that what some terms some places call the red zone where you're within ten years from retirement? Right. Okay. The red if you zone. think about it, most people in retirement, what do they do with their homes, Rob? Um, downsize. Yeah, they they either stay put because they're in their home that they you know, said, I want to retire in this home. I bought it. My kids are out of college. So now I've bought this new home. I work for another 10, 15 years and I'm in the home that I'm going to retire in. Um, or they sell it, downsize or sell it and buy two smaller ones in other places. Um, so where we're seeing a lot of the housing costs is, or inflation is in housing costs, you know, rents going back up, 
the cost of homes to a silly, silly level. Um, and that'll start to, to slow down as well, right? Because we got a big jump in the 30-year mortgage. So that'll kind of slow down. But retirees just don't have that, oh no, rent's going up next year issue. Um, they've yeah. either locked in their mortgage or they pay it off. Downsizing is interesting. Let's, let's talk about downsizing for a minute because Prop 19 made it easier in California. So you can now sell your home. And mm-hmm. even if you upsize, you can keep the property tax base if you meet the certain age criteria and keep your property taxes low. But here's what I'm starting to see when people downsize. A lot of times it's been out of California and they've gone to Phoenix and all of a sudden those property prices are way high. And then I see people spend a ton of money, Rob, on the moving costs now, which are out of this world. And then they go buy a bunch of new furniture, which the (laughs) the inflation and furniture... I was trying to get some new new, um, outdoor furniture from Restoration Hardware. If I would have ordered two weeks ago, I'd have got it at the end of July. I mean, and, and the costs were like 15% more than what I was going to, when I should have ordered it last year. And so, you know, retirees, most of the time, they're kind of just, they're, they're staying put, right? And so they don't have as much of the food costs. And, and they're not, like I said, they're not driving or they go to an electrical vehicle. And as you age, you don't eat as much. I mean, how many people have, you know, parents or grandparents in their 80s and eh, they might eat a little piece of toast for breakfast or skip breakfast and have a piece of toast for lunch and have a dinner. You know what I mean? So the... Sadly, that sounds like me. <laughs> and I don't like that because you said 80s and I'm like 50s. D- don't you love how the... Um, instead of... It used to be called, oh, I skip breakfast. That's now called intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> can, I t- can, I tell you the, uh, can I tell you that you t- ordered a, a, some furniture? I want to tell you the one that I ordered because I want to up you once in my life. Uh, we came into some money, my family, and my wife spent $25,000 on a kitchen table or a dining room table. Yeah. Ordered it nine months, still not here. I'm going to be dead before it comes, and I'm going to have 10 total meals of toast on a $25,000 table. <laughs> yep, I hear you. That's the kind of stuff that's just, it's just like, all right, maybe I'll just wait and hold off and deal with what I have right now because between how long I have to wait to get it because of the supply chain and the current costs, like, is this really worth it right now? And for the record, it's really not a $25,000 table because there's a hutch included in it and chairs, but it's pretty close. Okay, gotcha. back, back to you at inflation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to picture a hutch now. There's a lot, of, a lot of mahogany wood and leather-bound books in your hutch. Marble. Oh, okay. <laughs> Even better. Italian, Italian, yes. It's not going to be cheap to ship. Gotcha. Well, getting back to inflation. Yes. The, um, so, you know, it's, it, a lot of these, the situation that we're seeing is going to be a lot tougher on, you know, a family that's living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, gasoline's gone over five bucks a gallon. That's, that's really tough. You know, it's retirees though, aren't going to see as much inflation. Most of their inflation comes from healthcare costs, which we in our cash flow modeling always assume has been growing at 5% anyway. Okay. And once we have a very detailed cash flow model created a financial plan, we, we can show people different scenarios. Okay, let's say if inflation goes from eh, it's been about two point two five percent for the last decade up to three point five going forward plus five percent on healthcare costs, what does that look like? Are you still okay? And then you can also run Monte Carlo simulations, which takes a thousand different 
plus market scenarios, including periods of time with high inflation, like the late 70s, early 80s. And you can still get a success rate on the portfolio and the income plan. The, the issue that people get scared, though, about inflation is, okay, the Feds are rising. They, they, they are increasing interest rates. That's just the overnight lending rate between banks. At the same time, the Fed is selling bonds. And so you're seeing this big rate increase. You saw the twos in the 10-year invert for a little while. And that's what people typically go, oh, well, the, be on the, the recession watch. Because the, the two-year bonds for a short period of time from the US Treasury were paying more income than the 10-year bond. So that's typically sets up for a recession watch, right? And what happens during recessions? Um, with bonds or with the shrinking of the with, with, with anything, asset prices pull back usually, right? For In sure. Theory, yeah. 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 And so that's what people, you know, how is my portfolio going to look? What is my situation going to look like if we do go through a recession? And right. you never know exactly, but. The idea of prepping for retirement is having a very detailed distribution plan. You know which account you're going to be drawing from on an annual basis. You know how much dividends and interest you have. And you know what your expenses are. So you know how much you're going to draw from principal every year. And you need three years worth of those principal bought draws and save safe money. And that'll get you through the recession if you have the right income plan in place. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass. Or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. I'm Rob Black talking with CFP Chad Burton. He and I have worked together in radio and media for 20 plus years. He's the best financial planner I've ever, ever, ever met. And it's just his knowledge really boils it down nicely and he communicates the content great. Doesn't mean he's the best financial planner ever, but he's really good at communicating financial planning issues. And it's always a joy to have you on the air with me. We're talking a little war, inflation, disease, inflation on retirees' portfolios. I say on air, I used to need X for retirement. When you add a kid, it's X plus 50%. When you add uh, a spouse, it's another compounding number on top of it. But inflation is just a weird one for me, Chad. And let's talk a little bit more as we you know, continue to get through this content here of uh, what retirement's going to look like and how it may be changed in 2022. Will I be able to age in place? Do I need to change anything on my estate planning assumptions? Should I not have quit my job? And I didn't quit my job. But a lot of retirees did quit their job during um, COVID. And now they're starting to say, you know, oh, I did that a little too early. Let's unretire. What are you seeing right now? Yeah, I think we saw that in some of the job numbers. I think there was... a a return of work by quite a few retirees in the last number, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like 2 to 3%. Uh, people who retired have unretired. People who have quit have now called HR, which is great because you can get probably a pay raise for coming back to work. But then that's also creating workplace tension, they're saying, because the new employees are asking for more money and the employees that stay through are still set at their set salary. And I don't know, complicated times, Chad. It is. There's a ton of wage inflation. Um, between trying to find good people and resetting wages and things like that, that that's a huge issue across almost every single industry right now. And so that's, that's, you know, we were talking about this a year ago when the Federal Reserve was still trying to, oh, I think this is just transitory. And I was like, I don't think this is transitory because the wage inflation is real. 
and that sticks, right? Once wages go up, it sets that new bar that that sticks and then profit margins adjust. And in order for profit margins to stay the same, companies increase prices. And just to give it a real life example of that, when I was probably 18 years old, I can remember gasoline was like a buck 25 sometimes during the summer. It's mm-hmm. never gone all that way back down. So you know, transitory means it's moving up for sure, but it doesn't move all the way back down, whether it's gas, whether it's food, um, you know, energy cost. We may just be in for a higher cost of everything. Maybe not 7%, but it rarely does it roll back down to, to even Steven. Yeah. Well, we get, we'll get a year from now and then the comparables are going to get a lot tougher in terms of how much did inflation go up because you're start, you've, you are always comparing this quarter to the same period last year this year to the previous year, right? And, and so 12 months in, you're going to get lower numbers anyways. And it's a really interesting situation because during COVID, there were so many dollars that were chasing goods when most dollars were kind of chasing services. Okay. And so there's all this stimulus money that got pushed out there. There was just about every single business out there that did a PPP loan because they thought business was going to be in the toilet. So all of a sudden... They get the PPP loan a couple months later, realizes like, you know what, unless you're hotel, restaurant, travel, leisure kind of a thing. Most businesses I know have had the best two years, the last two years in a row. And so you, you can think of all these business owners that got a ton of tax-free money that they either use to expand their business and buy new, you know, large capital goods to, to expand their business, buy other businesses, or they just took the money home and bought a new RV. You know what I mean? It's there's a ton of money that's out there. It's this velocity of money that's flowing through the system that'll take another year or so to get get through, and then it, and then it's not going to be there. So you won't see as much, I think, chasing the good side of it. Um, if you just look at the increase in the cost of cars and automobile uh, cars and uh, RVs and you know ATVs and things like that, that that's not going to continue. Um, the boating market, especially, it's just huge increases in prices. So between uh, not as much cash out there and then the demand of uh, destruction from higher prices um, and less uh, just less overall demand, I think we'll start to see it calm down a bit. But I don't think we're going to see 2.25% for the next 10 years. I think it's going to be a little higher. And that's okay because I'm not worried about stocks, Rob. I'm never really worried about stocks. Right? If you look at most rising rate environments, stocks still do well. And so you have to pay a little bit more attention to uh, to quality. Most people have been drastically overweight in large cap growth, which has been expensive for a couple of years now. So they need to make sure they have that value exposure, small cap exposure. There's going to be a time to move more eventually into like European stocks, which are much cheaper. Um, did you see that story about uh, Jeffrey Gunlock? No, what do you say? So you know he's he is. Really basically saying, and you know, for those that don't know, Gunlock, once Bill Gross kind of lost it, he is considered the new Bond King. Uh, pretty smart guy. And he's, he sees it. It's going to be probably a tough time for the Federal Reserve to create that soft landing that they want to create. Um, but he recently bought European stocks for the first time in 13 years. I think it's um, fair to say, Chad, that my portfolio that I manage myself, overweight, large cap tech names... Mm-hmm. portfolio that EP Wealth manages for me is more diversified and more value-oriented. Again, saying that even the best of the best and even the best of us is a better way of saying that get caught up in being shifted in the wrong direction. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. It's it's like the time to overweight isn't now, but if you look at the fundamentals and just even the dividend yield of EFA ETF versus SPY US, you know, S&P 500 ETF, dividend yield is higher overseas. P ratios are lower. Um, and prior to the Russian invasion, the revenue growth is probably looking a little bit stronger. But now they got all the oil issues and the inflationary issues to deal with. But if that subsides, that's going to be a really, really good value play. Interesting, because I brought up a story. You just talked about boat inflation. And you slipped in the phrase boat inflation. I'm coming back to that. Um, you know, you can get some uh, yachts pretty cheap right now that have some you know, Russian writing in the, the, the manuals. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I can see I can see Chad on a mega yacht. <laughs> my last kids out of high school. Yeah, you're you're gonna see me bouncing all over the the world working remotely. It's so easy now. Working remotely. Um, that's an interesting one to talk about for just a moment or two. Uh, how does that trend play out with your clientele as financial planning goes? Well, I mean, I used to, you know, having an office in Vancouver, Washington, near Portland, and then the Bay Area, I used to pop back and forth, gosh, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and between traffic issues and then the idea that when I work, I have four screens going um, with all of the different financial planning software, the investment uh, uh, reporting software, and all the stuff that we use. And in terms of reviews and how we get things done, it's a lot easier now where the client doesn't have to drive 20 minutes to an hour in traffic, even if they're going 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just more, it's easier to do reviews. You still have to have that FaceTime and, you know, see each other in person once in a while, but it, it it's made it a lot easier to get stuff done and a little bit more productive, I would say, in terms of meetings. Are you able uh, to do everything that you need to on a Zoom meeting with like Monte Carlo simulations and no, way, way easier. Way easier? Okay. Yeah, because if I'm sitting in a conference room with a laptop projecting onto maybe one screen, it, it's a little tougher to flip back and forth to all the different screens that I need. So yeah, it's, I'd say it's a lot easier on Zoom. And then in terms of working remotely, I mean, there's all sorts of really cool stuff to... I have two espresso screens that I travel with, which are they're thinner than a laptop and they've got this thing that flips out. It's all magnetic, all magnetic. So I can sit there and all of a sudden set up a three screen workstation in seconds. Um, and that's really nice. So if I travel somewhere, it's like I'm still in my office. It's interesting how quickly we all got used to it. Like I bought a second microphone so I could travel and uh, do a radio show, a podcast anywhere. So I hear you on that. What else do we need what? to hit? Whoops, go ahead. I was just saying, I just opened it up because, you know, we spent all these years building a business. So got into it when I was 19, had kids young, never really traveled much. And so now being able to work remotely also allows me to travel when I, you know, wouldn't have been able to except for a couple weeks a year. Um, and the way that I've seen people progress through retirement, Rob, yeah, it's changed my entire view of how I want to retire and what I want to do now versus in retirement. How so? And it, well, it's because of those unexpected health issues. I've seen so many people retire, and within a couple of years of retirement, they have some sort of a major health event, or they're just not healthy and they can't do the things you want to do when you think about retirement. So, I personally would rather delay my retirement and do a lot of those things now, make those memories with my kids while they still can travel with me and don't have their own kids. Um, you know, go hella skiing and. Um, you know, surfing and all these types of things 
I would rather delay my own retirement than work till I'm 65 and then realize that, you know, my hips are all beat up. It's going to be tougher for me to go to Revelstoke and get dropped out of a helicopter, right? I totally am picking up what you're putting down. I'm in a similar scenario, but not quite as extreme sports as you. Just because I'm chicken. <laughs> Did I hear you laugh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, we, we'll take you up on a helicopter one time. You'll love it. So stocks you're okay with in higher inflation environments and lower inflation environments. Bonds, where do you stand on bonds right now as far as retirees? Well, it, it's, it's tough. I, I, I think that if people have a lot of cash that they're trying to get into that they know, okay, I've already got all my stocks. I need to go into fixed income. Uh, again, you got to do a tax analysis. It might be better and easier, might feel better for you to pay down or off your mortgage. Like I did a whole podcast yesterday on talking about those issues. Bond market at two days ago is down 9% for the year. And interest rates are likely going higher. So we could get to a point of being oversold in bonds. And that that's point is probably coming. But we don't know because rates are still increasing. So the price of gold is looking like it's having a modest run towards a new high. Not a crazy play on inflation like it used to, or not a, an obvious well play on inflation like it used to be. Speaking with CFP Chad Burton today, I'm kind of botching the interview. It's not my best, but it's also not my worst. And his content's always great and worth a replay. He mentioned yesterday he put up some information on his podcast tied towards the real estate market that I think is worth listening to. You can find him online at chadburton.com. You can also get his podcast, uh, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton, Apple. Spotify, um, Apple phones, Google phones, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find him there. And if he's not there, let him know and he can post it wherever you are getting your podcast. Now, Chad, are you a little surprised that gold's not had a big play on uh, inflation? And, and I'm asking from your client perspective, maybe. Um, no, I think it's lost a little bit of luster. And I think some of the money that would have used to have flowed into gold is, fly, is flowing into cryptocurrency. How about bonds during inflation? Uh, what is the temperature of your clientele as far as approaching bonds? Well, um, I, I will say that a lot of new people that have come in to, to work with me um, on larger portfolios, we typically, you know, if you're coming in with a lot of cash, we usually set up a dollar cost averaging strategy where we average into the portfolio over four to six months. And I've just been telling the traders, get the equity side done first because stocks I love over time, you know. We look out 20 years, we'll probably average 10, 11%, pay dividends in the meantime, be positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time, and just really take good care of us. But the, the fixed income side, is what we're, we're all seeing these signs of rates of inflation. And so if we look at the 10-year treasury rate at the beginning of the year, Rob, mm-hmm. basically January 1st, it was 1.52%. It's 293 today. And when you look at a bond fund, you can look at to, to find out what the sensitivity to interest rates are, you look at its duration. For example, if I'm looking at BND, Vanguard Total Bond Market ETF, it's got a, a distribution yield of 2.36%. So it's not paying like that much more than a, you know, an indexed equity fund, right? But the effective duration is stated at 6.83 right now. So that means that if there's a 1% increase in the 10-year treasury, so from 2.93 to 3.93, you'll likely see that fund fall 6.8% in value. 
right? Sure. So that could mean that, okay, if we think that inflation's here to stay and the rates are going to continue to increase, that there could be some more pain along the way. So right now, BND is down 8.85% for the year. And that's because we had more of a 1% move in the 10-year treasury. So, so far, the returns make sense. But I, what I think we'll look out for is that if there's another... Ta- like, Remember in 2013, with the, there was that taper tantrum where the yes. bond market dropped like 7 8% and then quickly recovered. And if you look at historical returns, when you have years of negative returns, two years in a row on bonds, and this is now the worst one we've seen, if, if we end the year at this level, um, the returns on bonds the following two years are really good. Typically, you know, you get into the double digit area. So I think with demand destruction and less money flowing out there from, you know, no more PPP loans and things like that, I don't think that the Fed is going to, you know, be able to raise as much as they think. I think that we'll start to see a slowdown next year. And, but as rates go up, you, we've just got to look for buy, buying opportunities and bonds. And I think the best types of funds to do that are what's called unconstrained bond funds. So when you have a bond portfolio, um, if you have a lot of money, you can look at picking up individual law, bonds as they become attractive. But we separate bonds into two categories. Our core bond fund, which is going to be the, our core bond funds, which are going to be more of the conservative bonds, you know, A rated and above. Um, and we've shortened the duration. Then we've got our strategic bonds, which are floating rates, uh, funds that can kind of go anywhere and pick up bargains as they say, see fit. And um, then we do other things like think about the mortgage, right? Um, most people need to in the Bay Area where mortgages are much higher, especially going into retirement, you don't get a tax deduction on anything over seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of mortgage between your first and second home, right? And you can no longer like take a large home equity line of credit and deduct that interest. And so a lot of those the cost of interest is still the same as or are higher than what you're getting out of especially California tax free funds. So we've been doing a lot with, okay, instead of maybe putting this money in bonds, which there's a lot of unknown, as soon as you pay down or pay off your mortgage, you have less cash outflow. That means you have less safe money needs. And I'm telling you, it just makes people feel a lot better. It's, it's, it's a lot more concerning to go through a recessionary issue with a large mortgage balance than without. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you have less payments going out the door. Um, so I told a story on the podcast yesterday where we had a uh, couple and they had a $1.8 million, I think it was $1.5, $1.8 million mortgage. Uh, we had a liquidation event from their company's stock. And so we decided they already had a bunch of equities going into retirement. And so they needed more bonds. And so we decided instead of buying bonds, that we would pay down the mortgage to seven fifty. dollars and we were able to get the current company to recast their existing mortgage. So they already had a good mortgage at 3.25%, but they were able to, here, hey, bank, here's the money. Get it down to six fifty, uh, seven fifty, and recast the mortgage so you redo my, my principal and interest payments so that they're much lower. And that made them feel a lot better. And now we're looking back and seeing the big decline in bonds um, since we did this in March and turned out to be a pretty good move. Why don't you close out the podcast, the broadcast? You've got about 45 seconds. Yes. Um, so 
minor portfolio adjustments. You got if you're 10 years away from retirement, you got to make sure that your portfolio is correct. You have a very detailed cash flow plan. You know what your expenses are. You know how much you're getting in dividends and interest versus how much you're going to need to draw from principal. And of the principal draws in your portfolio, you need three years worth of that and safe money. And then the ability to run high inflation scenarios and see what is your success rate? Are you going to be able to have enough money to last all your 100? That's CFP Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. You can find him online at chadburton.com. Again, the podcast is a great way to get into a starting relationship with him, but don't feel bad about reaching out to him as well. He does portfolio reviews. He can take a look at your scenario, decide if you need help or not. You can find him online at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. 